Welcome to the Hot Topic Bold Talk Podcast. Dr. Jacqueline is opening a forum for us to discuss opinions on the topics currently trending today. She's also going to share her experience with unique and diverse books that will encourage us all to think differently about the world and change our lives for the better. Together, we cover hot topics and get into the nitty gritty of how they affect our lives. All in the friendly and engaging tone so that you feel comfortable listening, even if it's not your favorite topic. This podcast is the perfect blend of knowledge and fun. We discuss everything and anything that matters today. Don't settle for the same old stuff. Get in on the conversation. Hello, my name is Dr. Jacqueline Renishek, and I have decided to go to a podcast. I've been writing a lot of articles and doing videos for years. But I decided on the podcast system because I thought it would be much more effective in reaching out to each of you. I also think it gives me a chance to share some things about how I feel about some of the things that are going on in America that I have seen over and over and over again since I have been working to fight systemic racism for over 50 years. Now, Tonight, what I want to do is I want to be able to talk about a specific thing that's going on that I think all of us need to be aware of and to realize how systemic racism has created a dreadful situation uh, with a water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi. I read an article by Esther uh, Schrader, and I immediately thought, this is something that I want to talk about on my podcast, and I want to make certain that people understand, and maybe they will reach out and help uh, to resolve these issues by supporting a particular group in Jackson, Mississippi. Let me first say, though, before I get into the article itself, I want to talk about racism. And I've taken a definition by Audre Lorde, who wrote Sister Outsider. And I think Audre Lorde has some of the best and clearest definitions, and that's the reason I've chosen her definition of racism. Belief in the inherent superiority of one race over others, and thereby the right to dominance, manifest and implied. So systemic racism is the inherent belief that whites are superior to all other races and they have the right to dominate those other races. And it is manifested every day in our country and is certainly implied in what people have to say that we see in the news all the time. Now, what is systemic racism? It is institutionalized racism is embedded in the laws and regulations of our society, our organization. It manifests as discrimination in areas such as a criminal uh, justice system, employment, housing, health, education, and political representation. And in the case of Jackson, Mississippi, we see it very clearly with the problem with their water source. 
Now, Esther Schrader wrote this article on September 16th, 2022, and I find it to be one of the clearest because I've also read some articles in other uh, magazines or journals. And I think hers, it gives the best stories of what is really happening in Jackson, Mississippi. So I'll begin with introducing you to Brooke Floyd. She lives with her husband and twin girls on a cul-de-sac in a middle-class neighborhood in the historic capital city of her state. Chastity Bash, a single mother, lives with her five children in a considerably poor section of that same city in a small apartment that is a part of an affordable housing complex. In many ways, you would tend to think that these two people would not have anything in common because Floyd and Bass live in different parts of the city. But the two have united because they are both black women and they've both lived for years without something that most people in the richest country in the world is guaranteed, and that is clean water that does not exist in Jackson, Mississippi. Over the past two weeks, the attention of the nation has alighted on the catastrophic water in, in infrastructure in Jackson, where the city's largest water treatment plant failed on August, August 29th, stranding 160,000 people, along with hospitals, fire stations, and schools, without safe drinking water. In many cases, these communities had no water service at all. Jackson had already been under a ball water notice for more than, uh, than a month. And the Mississippi governor, Tate Reeves, announced this week that the city's ball water advisory had been lifted. But, this, but the residents know that is not true and they need to be very careful because there is still a lot of evidence that there's problems with the water quality. Advocates encourage residents to test the water before ever using it. For this city in the poorest state in the nation, where 80% of the residents are black and about 25% live in poverty, the crisis is a logical progression of a slowly building disaster at least, a half a century in the making. For years, people from all walks of life in Jackson have grown accustomed to having to boil their water every time a storm throws the city's crumbling water pipes out of whack. Parents regularly add bleach to the water to wash dishes, hoping to prevent bacterial contamination. And over the winter of 2018, a cold snap freeze aging pipes in school buildings and children did not go back to school until almost Valentine's Day. Last winter, the city was under a ball water advisory for almost a month. And if you read the article, you're going to see a lot of pictures of what's going on in Jackson. So I encourage you to do that as well. Historians, infrastructure experts, and advocates say the water crisis in Jackson, like the one that emerged in Flint, Michigan, 
a few years ago is a result of generations of neglect by white politicians and uh, policymakers. This is the result of a deep historical pain and suffering. And being honest about that is essential to recovery is a statement that was made by Robert uh, Luckett, who is a history professor at Jackson State University, a public historically black university in Jackson that had to shut its classroom doors when the water coming out of the faucets on canvas started flowing first yellow, then brown. Now the reality is, and then he says this uh, more clearly, even in this statement, people are resilient. They are coming together with a level of organizing that is rooted in the same communities that fuel the modern civil rights movement. But they are living under conditions brought on by systemic racism and just outright hostility to this black city from the leadership of this state. And I think his comments are very strong. They're very straightforward and they provide a clear statement about what is happening in Jackson, Mississippi with their water. Now, let me add some other things though, too. Last year, the Environmental Protection Agency Administrator, Michael S. Reagan, predicted the current crisis visiting the plant that ultimately gave way this August and citing it as an example of what his agency called longstanding environmental justice concerns in historically marginalized communities. Not in white communities, in marginalized communities. On September 7th, Reagan met with uh, Governor Reeves. He also met with the mayor of Jackson, Lumumba, and other elected officials to discuss immediate steps to improve the city's crumbling water system. He promised tens of millions of dollars in federal loans to help get the water system up and running. Reeves had already mobilized the National Guard to help run water distribution sites in the city. He and Lumumba talked about how they could cooperate. The tragedy is, though, that the show of unity at the meeting believed years of well-documented neglect by Mississippi state officials has led to the current crisis. For years, city leaders have pled with Reeves and other state leaders for the means to fund infrastructure repairs. An effort by Lumumba, Jackson's progressive mayor, to raise a sales tax to pay for the infrastructure repairs was quashed by the lawmakers in almost entirely white Republican-dominated state legislature of Mississippi. A bill last year that would have authorized the sale of bonds to assist Jackson with making repairs and improvements to water and sewage systems died in the Republican-controlled state House Ways and Means. Rather than providing support from the state, Reeves had said stricter efforts are needed to collect payment on water bills from city residents. It seems ridiculous to even hear that statement or even be said 
when they're not getting water supply that they're supposed to be paying for. However, there's a group in Jackson that are really working on uh, trying to do something about this situation. And also they have the support of the Southern Poverty Law Centers. I'll from now on refer to the Southern Poverty Law Center as SPLC. The SPLC's Mississippi State Organizing Team has been collecting and delivering bottled water to Jackson residents, as well as managing the water distribution sites at the Sykes Park Community Center in the city, Clanton said. In the first days of the crisis, the SPLC allocated 10000 to booster the efforts of the Mississippi Rapid Response Coalition, made up of more than 30 grassroots community organizations, giving out water, hand sanitizers, and disinfectant wipes. Working together with the city, the coalition partners have identified and delivered water and other supplies to elderly and disabled residents who are unable to get to the water distribution sites. They have even rented vehicles from U-Haul and enlisted the help of volunteers who own trucks. When coalition members realized that some public drinking fountains had not been turned off, they petitioned the city to do so to prevent children from unknowingly drinking harmful water. The coalition was formed two years ago when a series of heavy storms in rural areas of the state displaced thousands of people, said uh, Lambright, the executive director of the nonprofit One Voice. But if we can't rely on our government, we have to fight to address the needs of underserved communities. The coalition partners include the SPLC, have begun to discuss ways to provide water filtration systems and other support to homes, nursing and long-term care facilities, community centers, and schools. The reality is that for far too long, black people here in the state of Missouri, I mean, in, in state of uh, Mississippi, excuse me, the state of Mississippi have had to live under these types of conditions. What we're seeing here play out in this water crisis is compounded not only by racial division, but by political division. It has been the motive of those with power to keep those who lack power with it, without it. And I think this is something that's very disturbing when I look at the state of Mississippi as being one of the most poverty-ridden uh, states, and yet we have a bunch of white legislatures uh, that are literally not supporting the efforts of almost 80% of their population in their state. At the SPLC, our aim is to ensure that people live uh, in a place in the Deep South where they can be helped by their local, state, and federal government and that we, they are not punished or exploited just because of the color of their skin and where their address happens to be. And I really am very supportive of the Southern Poverty Law Center because I think they give us tremendous amount of information about the depth of racism in America, 
they also give us a real indication of all the white supremacy groups that support a lot of the actions that are occurring in Jackson. And I'll address that more as I go along and talk about this situation. In Brooke Floyd's neighborhood, residents are used to seeing piles of dirt in streets and cones where one water line or another fails. Residents in, uh, install filters on every faucet. Floyd said she stopped drinking the tap water in Jackson long ago when she was pregnant and a doctor warned her against it, saying the water contained high levels of lead. When the twins were born, Nurses cautioned her not to use tap water to make their uh, formula, she said. Ever since, she has taught them to use bottled water to brush their teeth. They buy bottled water for cooking. Whenever the city institutes one of its not infrequent notices to boil water, they switch seamlessly. When Floyd drove two hours with her son and daughter last weekend to visit family, she said the children were shocked to learn they could use water from the tap to brush their teeth. They've never used water out of the faucet, period, she said. I feel terrible. They thought everyone in America lives like this. And that's the reason I wanted to provide a podcast on this particular situation in Jackson, because I think it is outrageous that people in America don't have water supply. Floyd realized something was seriously wrong at the end of July when she used tap water to refill the family fish tank. The, the fish died, she said, upsetting her children. Since then, she's been uh, giving bottled water to the family dog. One Labor Day, when Floyd heard rumors that the water plant might soon go offline, she turned on the faucet in the bathtub and let it run, readying buckets with water to flush the toilets in the house. The water was dark brown, she said, with particles floating in it. Since then, she has been buying cases of water, not just for her family, but to deliver in areas where people lack those resources or the ability to buy their own. At home, the water service has been intermittent. What does come out as a yellow tinge, she said, and smells almost bleachy. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, and I'm mad, Floyd said. They're choking us off. They're cutting us off. We're here. All of us are here, and we deserve to live like everyone else in the United States. All of us deserve to thrive. I want to talk a little bit about the history of Jackson now and about the white flight because it gives some more clarity to what's happening. For generations, the white leaders of cities across South didn't give much thought to helping black citizens thrive. Schools remained segregated for more than a decade after the milestone Brown versus Board of Education decision in 1954. In 1969, another U.S. Uh, court, uh, Supreme Court decision, Alexander versus Holmes County Board of Education, ordered the immediate desegregation of public schools across the South. When the next school year began in the fall of 1970, white parents moved more than 10,000 students out of the Jackson schools, Luckett said. 
By the end of that school year, 40% of the students in the public schools had left, and with them much of the white political, economic, and religious elite of the city. Many white parents enrolled their children in private academies that were explicitly segregationist. Some of them were run by white supremacist groups, such as the White Citizens Council, that were formed in response to the integration of public schools. From that point on, public investment in the city began to dry up, like it said. The declining population sapped the city's tax base. The remaining white political leaders bolstered by an at-large city government structure that favored their political base continued to hold power in Jackson for years. Even as the population of the city became increasingly black, in 1985, when the city finally transitioned to a more representative, ward-based city council, black political leaders emerged even as more white residents left. Today, Mississippi politicians don't have to answer to whether black people in places like Jackson have water to drink. Even though the state is 38% black, the state's white voters are overwhelmingly conservative. As a result, every statewide election official is a white Republican. Summers, a Democrat who has represented Jackson in the state legislature since January 2020, said she has grown increasingly dismayed by the lack of statewide support for the people of Jackson. State Republican leaders blocked a $47 million earmarked program for water and sewage repairs, she said. Lawmakers ignore repeated requests for funding from the Jackson mayor, Lamumba. These days, she and her husband have been buying cases of water to load onto their Nissan pickup truck and take to her constituents. Even many of those who have water pressure in their homes now are afraid to use it, she said. You have to ask the question, if this were happening in any one of the suburban areas around Jackson, would we see a response that's more responsive, more supportive, and more engaging? Summers said, I don't particularly love to talk about systemic racism. I'm not trying to paint a dark picture, but the fact of, the fa of this is... If we don't talk about these things, then we cannot address them and bring real solutions. Over in her Rebel Woods Drive apartment, Chastity Bass, 33, has it hard even on the easiest days. She's juggling a job, five children ages 15, 10, 9, 5, and 3, and now water uh, comes and intermittent trickles. She still has found time to work with a nonprofit Poor People's Campaign to distribute water in her neighborhood. When you're passing out the water and you see the looks on the people's faces, the old people's faces, they just look at you with tears in their eyes and it does something to you, said Mass. She also said that at bath time, she finds herself lining up her young children, soaping them up and washing them with bottled water she pours over them in the tub. 
She has been spending her limited funds on paper plates and takeout food to avoid washing dishes. When she does use a tap water wash, she adds a teaspoon of bleach. One thing is, I'm a survivor. I have to do what I have to do, Bass said. But I got to ask, the water in Jackson, it's messed up for a while. I just feel like certain people like the governor, they let us down. And so I kept watching this situation and even um, the week, which just put out a uh, short article of them, has some very clear points. Uh, the week came out September 23rd. And I think there's some things that need to be pointed out uh, because I think that uh, it gives an even clearer picture of it. So what they're saying is that the uh, grim water crisis drags on. The water itself is still undrinkable and some houses have coffee colored liquid spring from their faucets, nor is relief in sight. Many of the city's pipes are more than 100 years old. Last week, emergency fixes are just patches on an aging age system at risk of collapse. For Jackson, whose population is more than 80% black, the water crisis marks accumulation of centuries of racism, neglect, and theft. And I think it's theft because they've been paying for something that they are not receiving, which is have clean water. Danielle uh, Moody in the Daily Beast also writes and says, white flight, poverty, and apathetic, tight-fisted state legislators have produced a man-made disaster that harms residents' health, and dignity. This is the devastation of environmental racism in action. Another thing that I think is put in the week that I also think is important comes from the Bridgeport, uh, Connecticut Post. Don't think Jackson is the only city. Since the golden age of the infrastructure development, in 1960 and 70s, the nation's water systems have been kept up. Already a water uh, main break somewhere in the city. One every two minutes. And climate change will only increase the severity of the drought, flooding, and other events that will further overtax and antiquated pumps and pipes. While federal funds from last year's big infrastructure bill were to help in some ways, this year's Inflation Reduction Act will help because the previous act did not. It's far short of what is needed, but still it gives us a chance. Jackson may well be just the start of an accelerating trend that we have to pay attention to in America. Now to me, when I read all the materials about Jackson, I kept saying to myself, I can't find a better example of systemic racism than this story. And I think there are so many times in the 50 years that I've done diversity, equity, and inclusion work or DEI work, I've had white people question that the, any kind of thing like this happens. 
And I'm well aware that a large portion of the Republican Party doesn't do anything except listen to Fox News and they don't read anything that gives them information about something like this that's happening. Because if they stay away from it, then they can deny it. I also have read many times and uh, have provided a number of articles, which I'll also add into podcasts about the Trump um, Republicans and how disdainfully they look at any other race that's not white and Caucasian. And they treat people uh, in ways that are different from them that is a in as a attitude of superiority and dominance rather than an acceptance of the appreciation of each race and their right to have the same opportunities in America that all of us should have. Now, I want you to join me in supporting the Mississippi Rapid Response Coalition, and please look it up and maybe make some contributions to it because that is the coalition that has all those organizations that are part of it that are trying to do something about this. Also, I think we have to look at the fact that systemic racism is pervasive in our country. I live in the state of Texas. We have a governor that is uh, eliminated the rights of women to make decisions about their bodies, has done a number of things to discriminate against various races. We had a dreadful situation that occurred in Uvalde when a bunch of children and teachers were killed. And his first response was to glorified the actions of the police who waited an hour and a half and it could have saved a number of those children. So if you read about that event in uh, Uvalde, you'll see that. So his actions he's taking now are a way to try to make himself look good by shipping immigrants to various parts of the country. But the bottom line is his attitude toward Uvalde was dreadful in the beginning stages, and now he's trying to cover up things. I live in Texas, and I am a passionate supporter of Mothers Against Abbott, and I am mentioning this because there are a number of other states that can use this kind of group to help them start making taking some action against politicians that do not support all races in America. What I love about Thank you for listening to the Hot Topic Bold Talk podcast. Now remember to get in on the conversation, head on over to patreon.com slash Dr. Jacqueline. Bye for now.